It is always a blessing to travel east off the mountain and fellowship with you dear people here in Campbell County, uh, here at the Bethel Congregation. I have many happy memories of this place, this, uh, in this building even. Uh, the, my roots grow deep down to these benches right here. It's kind of the, where I first uh, have any memories of, of church um, gathering together. So this is a special place for me, and I'm glad to be here this morning. Um, thank you all for inviting me to come. We always sat back there about where Gabriel's were sitting when I was just a little tyke. I remember the first time I was asked to, to help lift the offering. That was a scary thing to do. Um, anyway, it's good to be here with you this morning. I'm going to bring a message that I actually uh, preached at home for Father's Day. So this is a message geared towards us dads. Um, I think there are some principles here that would also apply to mothers and young people as you think about the future and and, uh, maybe stepping into that role someday. There's some things for you to think about here too. But I would like to begin with reading one verse in Psalm 127, the first verse. It says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. And I would like that to be the the thought that stays in our mind throughout this message. Except the Lord build the house, all our efforts are in vain. The old man with wispy white hair lay quietly on his bed, all alone with his thoughts. Life had been a long journey. This elderly man had lived a full and productive life, but now his body was pretty much worn out. He could no longer walk the farm that he and his young wife had carved out of the wilderness decades before. His once strong tenor voice was now just a whisper. His eyes could not see, and as he lay there for hours at a time, alone with his thoughts, his mind often turned to his children, his grandchildren, and his great-grandchildren. He thought about all of them, and he loved them all. Proverbs 17, verse 6 says, Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children are their fathers. So we think about a godly old man, what could bring more joy to him than to see his children walking in the faith and raising godly families and, and grandchildren uh, following along? I think back to my granddaddy. Um, granddaddy loved his children. We all know that. And he loved his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren, the ones that he, that he knew. And in his last days, as he was blind and bedfast, he knew all the names of all his grandchildren. And 
He told me that he would lay there and he would think family by family and by family and just remember all those children and remember their names. And he would call me sometimes just randomly to check on me and see how I was doing. That was a blessing. Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of, the, of children are their fathers. Do you remember as a young boy, uh, maybe, maybe it wasn't like this for you, but when I was a, a youngster, I don't know if I was 8, 10 years old, I remember having arguments with my buddies about whose dad was the best. Um, well, my dad has this job, or my dad has a better truck than your dad does, or my dad's stronger than your dad. Maybe y'all didn't have those kind of things, but I remember that. Um, I think it's natural for young guys, young fellas, boys, to look up to their dads, to admire them, and like they're the hero. I think that changes maybe as they get a little older sometimes. I think that's somewhat normal. But dad is the hero to a young fella, and I just would like to ask us dads this morning this question to think about. Are you the man, are you the man that you want your son to grow up to be? Are you the kind of man that you want your daughters to grow up and marry? Someone just like you. Look around the group this morning and I see a lot of little children. What a blessing. And I see middle-sized children. And I see great big children. We're all children. We all had a dad. Uh, We've all had fathers. And our fathers, our dads have had a tremendous impact on who we are as a person. And the older I get, the more I realize that as I observe my life and as I observe other people's lives, I, I see, you know, that was the grandfather, here's the son, and here's the grandson, and, and how things are just, there's so much influence there uh, from, from the father and an impact on, on the lives of their children. Those of us who are dads this morning, we are setting things up for our children by who we are as a man, the choices that I'm making are going to have a, a lasting impact on not just my life, but my children and my grandchildren. And are we taking that responsibility seriously enough? Now it's time for the disclaimer. I'm just getting started on this thing about being a dad. I'm not, I'm not an expert on this thing. It would be better if Milo or some great-great-grandpa could get up here and talk about these things after we could see the evidence of his children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren. You know, now we have somebody that we can say, he, he did it right. Um, and I'm not there. So I'm in the trenches with you, and I've made many mistakes. <clears throat> but my prayer is that this message this morning could just be a, an encouragement to us dads Um, who are in the middle of this thing of parenting. Maybe you're just in the beginning with a little tiny baby. Maybe you're in the middle with with 
teenagers and their struggle with learning to be adults and um, but maybe you have older children that are getting married um, or interested in, in those things. So whatever stage we're at, maybe we're in all those stages at the same time, I just would pray that God would help, help us and strengthen us to do it well. If you're a father this morning or if you're looking forward to being a father, and I trust that many of you young fellows are, God has given us a tremendous role to fill. Um, it's something about fatherhood that is reflective of something from the very nature and heart of God. God is a father. He's the first father. He's the perfect example of, of a father. And he's entrusted us as dads to fill that role for our children. If you think about fatherhood, uh, even just in a natural sense, without considering the spiritual implications, the consequences of the role of fatherhood is hugely important in the, in the life and development of a child. <clears throat> and there are many, many children who grew up in, in our communities who don't have a dad at home. They don't know who their father is. According to the United States Census Bureau, 24 million children in America, that's one out of every three children, grow up in a home and biological dad is not there. That's a third of the children in America, and the trend is getting worse. Studies have shown that children growing up in a home without a father, they are four times more likely to live in poverty, more likely to suffer emotional behavioral problems, two times greater risk of infant mortality, more likely to go to prison, to commit crimes, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen, more likely to face abuse and neglect, to abuse drugs and alcohol, two times more likely to suffer obesity, and two times more likely to drop out of high school. So there's just huge implications for families without a dad, and that's just, that's not even looking at it for being a Christian dad, that's just having a dad in the home. Um, so the role of a father is hugely important in, in the life of a child. Recently, I was doing a little bit of studying on employee engagement, and there's three levels of employee engagement. If you're an employer and you have employees, you want engaged employees. So you have fully engaged. They're the ones that are willing to get there early, work overtime. They care about the business. They care about what's going on. And they apply themselves with everything they've got. Partially engaged would be show up on time, leave on time, and that's it. We're not going to work overtime. We don't care that much beyond that. Um, and then there's disengaged, and we know what that is. We don't care. And as I was thinking about that, I had to think about me as a dad. Am I a fully engaged dad? Or am I partially engaged? Or am I disengaged? We only have a few years with these children, with each one of them. And it's important for us to be there, involved and active in each stage of their development and growth 
Are we giving our children our best as a dad, or are they just getting the leftovers? So this morning, I have four questions that I would like to look at. And that's what I call this message, four questions for dads. I'm not going to give the answers. I don't have all the answers, but just four questions for each of us to consider. Think about our own fathering experience, where we're at as a dad. How are we doing in these four things? So the first question is this. Is your heart turned towards your children? Is your heart turned towards your children? If you turn back to Malachi, the last verse of the Old Testament, I would like to read Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6. The last two verses. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. I believe, maybe I'm wrong, but I believe that in every dad, every father, every man who has a child that came from him, that there's something deep in there that longs over that child. He wants to have a relationship with that child. I believe God instilled that, he created that in us, and it's a natural part of who we are. However, sin, selfishness, pride, militate against that and destroy that natural God-given Father, uh, love for a child. It destroys those natural affections. Remember, think about David. David, the king, and he had a lot of children. But his son Absalom had turned against him, was warring against him, and David had left the city And then there was the battle, and Absalom was killed. And before they went out to battle against Absalom, David said, whatever you do, don't kill my son. Well, they did. And I just think about David's response to that. He just wept. My son, my son. David made many mistakes. I know he did with with, as being a dad. He made many mistakes. But it seemed that his heart was turned towards his children. His heart longed over his children. Even when they were as rebellious as Absalom was, his, his heart was turned towards his children. Many generations later, I'm not sure how many generations after David, his son, a grand, great, great, great grandson, uh, King Manasseh, was a wicked king. He was involved in witchcraft and idolatry and In 2 Kings 21, verse 6, it says, and he made his son pass through the fire. I just can't imagine that, taking your own child and and sacrificing them uh, on a pagan altar of some kind. Something had happened 
His heart was hardened to his children. Sin, selfishness, and pride will turn the hearts of men from their children. 2 Timothy 3, uh, verses 1 through 3, reads, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, and so on. Without natural affections. What is that talking about? The ESV says, uses the word heartless. The Greek word literally means having a hard heart or having a hardened heart towards kindred. Your your heart is hard towards your kindred and your children. It's in the very nature of God to, for the father's heart to long over his children. And I believe that part of the restoration work that Christ is doing in his people is to turn those hard hearts, soften those hard hearts, and turn them back to their children. And that's what the prophet is saying here in Malachi chapter 4. So dads, this morning, where is your heart towards your children? Are we too tired, too busy, too consumed with other things? to truly be engaged with our children. I believe that as we draw closer to God and become more and more like him, our hearts are going to turn more and more towards our children. I believe that. And if our hearts are turned towards our children, it makes it very, very easy for our children's hearts to be turned towards us. There are many hurting and angry children of absent fathers. Is your heart towards your children? Question number two, do you have a vision for your family? Do I have a vision for my family? What do we want the outcome of our family to be? What do we want our children to be when they are adults, and when they're raising their own families. Where do we want them to spend eternity? Do we think about that? What about our grandchildren? What about our great-grandchildren? What kind of people do we want our children to, to be? What kind of family culture do we want? What atmosphere in the home? Proverbs 29, verse 18 says, Where there is no vision... People perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. As leaders of the home, dads, we have to we have to have a clear vision for our home, for our children, and where we're going. Any successful company, any successful business has a clear vision statement, a clear um, mission. And they have core values that are recognized. That they, those core values, along with that mission and vision for the company, guide everything that happens in that company. 
All the decisions that are made on a daily basis are guided by those things. The consequence of a business not getting it right is a failure to thrive or bankruptcy, just failure. But the consequences for us, for a family not getting it right or us dads not getting it right is, is much greater. Because we're not dealing with financial assets and, and property and things. We are working with eternal souls. Do we have a vision for our families? That word vision there in Proverbs 29 is not talking about just having good eyesight. It's not just talking about, or it's not talking about having a, a dream. But that word has the idea of seeing with spiritual eyes the mind and the heart and the will of God. It's a prophetic type spiritual understanding. What is God's heart for our families? Do we see it? Do we have a vision for it? Do we have a vision for raising godly children? And for our grandchildren? Many of y'all probably know who Jonathan Edwards was. Jonathan Edwards, as a young man, married a, his wife, Sarah, and they had a vision for raising a, a house full of godly children, and they had 11 of them. I don't know if anybody here has 11, but they raised 11 children, and they gave them all to the Lord. And there's some statistics about the, their family that are very interesting. Before I say that, evidently their home was outstanding. People... The, the, the atmosphere in their home, the character of their children were a, an example to many people as they, as they watched that home. Research, research so, shows that five generations after uh, Jonathan Edwards and his wife, uh, in the next five generations, there was 729 male offspring. And out of those 729, there was several hundred preachers, um, 65 Bible college teachers, 13 university presidents, 60 authors, many held public office, over 100 lawyers and judges, 60 doctors, and there were a few senators and governors and one vice president, all as offspring of this this one couple who had a vision to raise their children for the Lord. Now, by contrast, same time period in New York City, there was two brothers, Max Duke, and they married two, Max Duke and his brother, and they married two sisters. They were not Christians. They were selfish people. And they believed in living for themselves. Um, five generations, there was 1,026 descendants. That would be men and women, male and female. Of those 1,026, 300 of them died an early death because of hard living. 140 spent an average of 13 years in prison. 190 became public prostitutes. 
100 were alcoholics. And in 1900, it was estimated that these wayward people cost the state of New York 100, I'm sorry, $1.2 million to take care of these, of this family, often as one or these two selfish people. A dad in the direction of, of the influence of a father has a tremendous impact on the next generations. Do we have a vision for our families? Do we understand the godly values that should be guiding us as we lead our homes? Values such as peace and rest and sweet relating to one another, respect and obedience for parents, for parental authority, kindness, caring for each other, order, spiritual discipleship and teaching, honesty, integrity and purity, Christ-likeness, godliness and holiness, and the values of the kingdom of Christ, all these things. We could go on and on with lists of values. The things that we value as dads will tend to be passed on to our children. And that, I think that's, it's not what we say, it's not the way we try to teach our children, but it's the things that we truly value will tend to be passed on to our children. And here's just a little example of that. <clears throat> My dad told me that growing up, and Mary Sue could probably tell us more clearly, that when they had family meal time was important at home. And they, they would come to the table to eat, and they were not allowed to read books at the table. Is that right? Unless there was ice cream. Then they could have a book. I think that's how it was. <laughs> so, because cause family time was important. That was a value that was important to, to my grandparents. Well, I, when I was growing up, we could not read at the table. Unless there was ice cream, we could read. And guess what? In our family, we don't read at the table. Unless there's ice cream. <clears throat> That's just a funny little thing. But those little, thi- little things like that, that we hold to as a, as a family... Values that we uphold will tend to get passed down to the next generation and maybe beyond that, multiple generations. And that's just a a little example. Where there is no vision, people perish. They cast off restraint. There is no guidance. They run free to their own fancies. And the context of that verse that we're looking at there is the verse before says, correct thy son and he shall give thee rest Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. The restraint and the training and the guidance of the vision. Do we have a vision, a godly vision for our homes? Does this vision guide me in in how I make everyday decisions as a dad? This vision or lack of vision will 
um, let me rephrase that, this, lack of, this vision or lack of vision uh, and the values that I am operating from will affect uh, all the decisions that I make. What am I going to do for work? How much time am I going to spend on my phone? How much responsibility am I willing to take on at the expense of other important things? Will I get out of my chair and discipline the naughty child or do I just let the bad behavior slide because I'm too lazy to get up and take care of what needs to be done? Will I stay up late and talk to my teenager about life and give up my sleep that I so desperately need? What values are we operating from? Do we have a vision for our families? Question number three. Are we taking responsibility for what happens in our home and for the upbringing and behavior of our children? And this is kind of where being fully engaged is in effect. Ephesians 4, verse 6 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We dads are the responsible ones in the home. The principle of dad's leadership is clarified if we consider the headship order in Ephesians chapter 5. God has given us the responsibility to to, to take leadership and ownership of what's happening in our homes. Are we taking that responsibility for for our home and, and the raising of our children? It's our job to teach our children the things of God. Do we lead out in family worship? Are we teaching our children from God's word and the ways of Christ? Are we taking responsibility for our children's behavior? I've seen dads just oblivious to how their children are behaving. In another place, I saw a dad. He was sitting on a chair. His naughty little boy came up to him and wanted to go outside or something. The service wasn't quite over. I think there was some it was a prayer meeting. The ladies were still praying. Some of the men were still praying. And he told him to come, come sit down. And the child just stuck his lip out and told his dad no and ran off. And nothing happened. Don't be that kind of dad. We, we need to be aware of how our children are behaving and, and take responsibility. <clears throat> Don't leave all that on your wife, or worse, leave it for later when the church has to take care of those things, or the Bible school. You moms play a large role in raising our families, too. In fact, oftentimes, you have a heavier load than than the dads because we're off at work, and y'all deal with those things hour by hour through the day while, while dads are gone. But mom and dad have to work together as a team, and I just, we dads just need to step up and make sure that we're 
leading out on that and taking responsibility. I would also like to say I think it's a wise father who opens their home up to the influence of other godly people. I have seen, in some cases, uh, the effect of a patriarchal mentality. If you would have a continuum that's maybe over on one side of fatherhood, where dad is the, the ultimate authority and the children are isolated from other influences. There are some negatives that come from that approach to fatherhood. I believe it's important for our children to understand that we dads recognize our, our failures, our weaknesses. It's important that they hear us apologize when we've done something that we shouldn't have. It's important for them to see us submitting to authority, other authority, the authority of the church, for them to see us yielding to brotherhood, God's given us a church community to raise our families in, and it's a tremendous blessing to have godly people around us as we bring up our children. When I open my family up to the church community, it strengthens what I'm trying to do at home. The Sunday school teacher reinforcing what he's, the child's hearing from home. The school teacher, the babysitter, the, the others in the church, the youth group the youth leaders. It helps the child understand that this isn't just dad's bright idea. This is, this is something larger than just mom and dad. So I think it's important that we open our homes up to the church community. And if you see something in my, in my family or in my child, or maybe you saw something happen on the playground or at school, then I want to know about it because we work together to raise our children. But dads, we can't just step back and and let other people do the raising and us not take our responsibility. Question number four. Are we the men that God has called us to be? And I think this is the most important question of all. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking on this, but are we the men that God has called us to be? We can do everything we can to raise godly children, teach them, try to train them, discipline them. But if we're not who we should be as men, spiritually, morally, behaviorally, that we're going to not fare well with raising our children. How can I teach my child to be a disciplined person if I'm not demonstrating discipline in my own life? How can I raise pure children if I'm not pure? How can I help my child overcome anger unless I have overcome? How will my son learn to be respectful of his mother or his sisters or ladies if I don't show respect? respect and courtesy to my wife, to my daughters, and to my mother. How will I teach my child to submit unless I am submitted 
How can I help my son learn humility unless I am humble? And we could go on and on. But more important than these things, how can I shape an eternal soul unless I am abiding in Christ? How can I teach him God's word unless the Holy Spirit resides in me? When we're in that place of abiding in Christ, then we're not doing this by ourselves. We have the church, but we have Christ within us as a co-laborer helping us to get this done. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Are we the men that God has called us to be? There's more that could be said. There's probably more questions we could ask, but I'm going to bring it to a close. Just going to review those four questions again for us dads. Is your heart turned towards your children? Do we have a vision for our family, for our children and and the next generations? Are we taking responsibility for what happens in our home, for the upbringing and behavior of our children? Are we the men that God has called us to be? We only have one opportunity with each of our children. And my prayer that would be that it, when we get to, Lord willing, and when we get to be old, an old man, that we could look back and, and be filled with joy because of the children that God's blessed us with. They're walking with the Lord, grandchildren walking with the Lord. That would be my prayer for each one of us that we would not have to look back with regret and sorrow over the spiritual ruin of a child. May God, the Father of us all, give us dads wisdom and humility and strength to do fatherhood well.